Greetings, standard nerds. This is Christopher McClanahan of DeeplyDapper.com. And these are the dulcet tones of Tom Catamonte of Third Rail Design Lab. And it's time to... Release the... Kraken! This week on Robot Kraken, we appease the beast with talk of the newest episode of Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 5? Five? 5. 5. The Door. Door. But first, let's find out what we're drinking with our libation segment, Sucking the Monkey. I want to know what you're drinking. It's the most important thing that we have to talk about today is what you're drinking. Mine is really super boring again, though, because it's just a fucking Dr. Shasta. Wait a minute. What's a Dr. Shasta? Is that real? <laughs> yes, it's real. Thing? It's a cheap Dr. Pepper knockoff. Well, I remember Shasta. I don't remember Dr. Shasta. That's He went to school while you were growing <laughs> up, and he's a doctor now. Sadly, he did not complete generation. his... <laughs> He did not complete yeah. his other degree, and he is not <laughs> Professor Shasta, because it wouldn't fit on the can. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Shasta. That would actually be pretty dope. I think I'd actually be tempted to buy that if I saw that Professor Shasta. Like, Prof- what? It's sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> what are you so, drinking, uh, yo? I'm drowning my sorrows in sparkling mineral water. You scurvy pirate. I know it's odd. It's odd for me to do that, but, you know, it's been a long day, and I want to stay focused. There's nothing nope. in it? Nope. I want a singular vision for 100% minimum awesome podcast. And even though that's probably unlikely to happen without imbibements, we're going to try. Yes, we have a laser focus tonight because I leave in approximately nine hours for the coast and Crypticon. We need to leave an hour for you to pack. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I haven't finished packing yet. And we both just finished watching the episode. We're recording this while it's still fresh in our little lizard brains that's true except i don't know i for some reason i don't know maybe because i'm sleep deprived or i'm old but i'm having trouble remembering anybody's names so even <laughs> though we just saw it i'm still gonna be saying that guy with the thing who stabbed the one guy in the thing i'm okay with that all right we'll figure it out <laughs> so before so we ice- dive into our spoilerific review should we do a little bit of news there are, there's some news we should talk about i think yeah what do we got uh i want to talk about uh Everyone's franchise that they love to hate, but they watch anyway. Thor. 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 Hey, I love Thor. Thor. Ragnarok. I know, but you're you're in the you're in the minority. I, I actually quite enjoy it. But and yeah. honestly, Dark World didn't really do much for me. But it was it was one probably. I, we still haven't talked about it. I don't think. Right? No, we haven't gotten there yet. But uh, you know, I think it, I, I I feel like people they 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 almost apologetically feel like they have to have something to point negatively at in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if they're fans and they're, right. oh, it's the Thor's right. right that's the one they point to um, I just point to the last half hour of most of the larger Avenger films <laughs> and rightly so so Thor Ragnarok so this this very quickly became a Thor Hulk buddy movie you know they said they t- they told us that fairly quickly and everyone speculated that there'd be a Planet Hulk involved somehow right but uh Wow. All of a sudden, yeah, there was a little bit of talk about who may or may not be in it or something. And then all of a sudden we got this release and it it's another one of these like, how did they get all these people to be in this movie? Right, right. It's crazy. And like we've got the confirmation that Ruffalo is going to be in it for sure. And who, who else was it they announced? They announced two big names. Oh, Carl Urban. 
Carl Carl Urban as Scourge, or as Scourge. I always knew him growing up as the Executioner. Yeah, when did he become Scourge? I I, I went back and looked at my old Marvel handbooks, uh, which I now have digital, and uh, he he is described that way. So okay. I think it's just. I we think just he always scourge the executioner, and scourge sounds lame, and so we didn't use it. Yeah, it really, especially the way they spelled it with the K and the U. Scourge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, man. Marvel seventies, you know, trying yeah. to be edgy. It is odd though that he's playing the executioner, but they don't have an enchantress, at least one that they've been announced. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird because they were kind of hand in hand for the most part. It seemed like. Yeah, and of course we always react to these things uh at, you know based on this idea that they have to be faithful to the comics so there's always right. this outrage well wow, that's not possible how could this possibly be good well because <laughs> everything they do is different than the comics and is good so. yes this is very true there was no yeah. natalie portman or kat dennings in the original thor and i unfortunately have zero complaints yeah but unfortunately i don't know that they've confirmed if kat dennings is staying but i don't I think either of them are in it yeah definitely natalie portman's out yeah and, they, exactly. and I read something that said that they had a um, a definitive a definitive reason in the script. Like, it, it oh, was, really? It's being tackled in in the plot in a way that's comfortable <laughs> and not just uh, you know. <laughs> She's studying in Norway, <laughs> you know. uh, right? But what? But, but so Jeff Goldblum. So he we thought that he was going. We thought that they were courting him for the Spider Man movie, right? Right. Last time we talked, and. A, it's surprising that he's going to be in Thor, and two, it's surprising that he's playing the Grandmaster. <laughs> right? Is, huh? I mean, I remember this character from so playing weird. the Marvel game. Yeah, as a kid, I played you know Marvel superheroes role playing game, and I and I would just pick from the handbook and throw characters at my players, and you know, this is not a guy that I held in high regard. No, not so much. Yeah, high high power set, but that right. tip of that same sort of period of 70s acid trip marvel stuff that you know as a kid i i couldn't quite wrap my head around some of it and then you know as you get older you can start to reappreciate some of it because you you pick up your kirby your kirby acceptance filters change you <laughs> right. know, and you're like oh yeah, that actually looks pretty cool yeah this wasn't as clunky and terrible as i thought it was he's actually yeah. a genius yeah but then <laughs> i don't know i i don't really i don't think i ever read any comics with the grandmaster in them and i'm only familiar with the the illustrations of him back in the day right. were from the handbook and a few others, and they weren't those guys. I don't remember who drew them. Um, so I don't even have that to fall back on. He's just a skinny guy in a robe, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, is he a villain? I genuinely don't have a clue what his background is on it. I don't even remember. Um, I'll try <laughs> to – we've already – I've already got this this news on the robot-kraken.com website. Yeah. For all your latest news and entertainment tidbits on a very regular basis, go to that site. It's great. So, but <laughs> – Maybe I should dig up the uh, the actual handbook page and scan that and post that next time because it's probably worth a read. Uh, here's, though, the thing. He's sort of like the, the space, the Marvel space version of Arcade or what they did okay. or what they took from Arcade to make uh, whoever that – the Joker was with the spider, the spider legs that had mojo, Myrtle. mojo, mojo, mojo. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's that sort of deal. Like he sets up big um, challenges. In fact, I'm sure that the challenge, the challengers, a contest of champions, and all that probably had something to do with Grandmaster. It seems like it probably did. I don't mm, know. Yeah, that seems I, like a solid assumption, at least. I, I, I could be entirely wrong, but it does sound like. Uh, 
a way to rationalize a Planet Hulk situation, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A battle world? Yes. So, that makes sense. Also, uh, so Tessa Thompson is Valkyrie, which is once again a um, ethnicity shifting casting choice. Oh, that yeah, it is, isn't it? I hadn't will, even thought about that. Yeah. People will or won't be outraged about. Who knows? I'm kind of uh, happy to see then, Valkyrie, actually. Oh, yeah. I think that could be amazing. And then, yeah. uh, and then, and then, of course, to me, the big money one was Kate Blanchett as as uh, Hella. Wow. Yeah. It's the real deal right there. That's excellent casting. I'm really happy with that. She was in the the live action Cinderella that came out whenever it was last year. So I haven't and seen that still. It's um you know it th- this this new breed of these modern takes aimed at teenagers or whatever of these Disney properties are interesting. Um, so anyway, she's she's playing a cruel person, but also one that eventually sort of gets it, she's she's being played. You know, a little long in the tooth, right? A little silly. Yeah, like she's yeah. she's a villain in that movie, but it's she's actually she's playing a character in in a, not quite Tim Burton esque way, but you know that she's exaggerated. Right. But it does me wonder, you know, how what I, I think about that actress and I think about the presence of a god of death like Hilla. Right. And I think, wow, she could do something really interesting here. Probably yeah. a less is, less is more kind of thing. I, I bet it would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I think bet so it will be. too. It shall be. It must be. Cat, we cat, need another what? good Thor movie. We do. Uh, I have this cat. This cat wants to say hello. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Hello, cat. So, <laughs> cat, welcome to Robot Kraken. Uh, protein shouldn't get anywhere near Robot Kraken, actually. <laughs> uh, so what else? There was something else that came out. Uh, they released a trailer maybe, for the new DC workplace comedy starring Alan Tudyk. Alan, Alan, oh, yeah, right. Alan Tudyk. Uh, powerless, <laughs> right? Powerless? Yes, powerless. Chris, we live in a time when there are going to be, on the fall schedule, rival comedies from Marvel and DC about powerless people in the workplace. Isn't that weird? That's that's what's happening now. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had some faith in damage control just because, I mean, as much as I don't like the name, I've always had a soft spot for the concept that they would even – that they would even acknowledge that there was property damage to be cleaned up and major monuments to be rebuilt magically. And right. You know, I used to like that as a reader that it existed. Yeah. Uh, Powerless seems like it just came out of the void. Uh, but I saw that trailer and I thought, wow, they yeah, got looks, some people in this. It looks pretty fun. I, I can't tell whether it's going to be as edgy as I want it to be. It Probably looks like not. It seems a little soft, but I'm just surprised by the acting talent. I didn't know most of those people were cast in it. Right. It's yeah, what, a fan. It's a fan favorite casting. What channel right? is it going to be on? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't even know. Oh, it's NBC. Any- so yeah, at least it not. won't get canceled after two or three seasons, like friggin' ABC does. It'll be canceled after <laughs> two or three episodes on NBC. <laughs> right, right. Or it'll go on for twelve time. seasons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, so Vanessa Hudgens, Hudgens, mm-hmm. who I brothers. thought was uh, Jenna Coleman in the picture there. But, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, she. Um, so, what she came from? What that that uh, High School Musical series, right? And she is that was, what she's from? Yeah, and she hooked up with, uh, uh, yeah, what's his name from the the show? Squinty McAbs. Yeah, right. The heartthrob. Yeah. Uh, who actually? He's pretty charming. He's in his in he his post teen teen TV show 
uh, roles, like like the stuff he's doing with Seth Rogen. I mean, that whole uh, that series. Now, yeah, the Neighbors the series yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was great in Neighbors. He knows how to lampoon himself, which is great. And then the sequel looks great too. So anyway, anyway, so she's in that. And then Alan Tudyk, of course, very very popular. Yeah. All they all they need now is to rope. Nathan Fillion in somehow and <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, but also uh, uh, one of the two from the comedy troupe, female comedy troupe. What's it called? See, here we are, perfectly unprepared. I don't <laughs> the one. know what. Yeah. Well, anyway, that one. If you know them, the the girl. Okay, what's her name? What's her name? I'm going to pretend I'm coming. I'm actually just coming out of thin air. I'm just pulling it from the ether. Naturally. And I will, I'll figure out what her name is. Uh, she's she's funny. She's quirky. And she can sing. Oh, uh, uh, Kate Micucci? Yes. Is that who we're That's talking one, about? Right? Or yes. Nikki Lindholm or Ricky Lindholm or whatever her name is? From Yeah, so it's it's the shorter one. And I think that's... Yeah, of the pair. It's not the tall blonde one. It's the short brunette. Okay. My internet just went... Woo, 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 so well, I can't even Kate Mikuchi. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love... I think she's great. So yeah, I like fun. her a lot. And then there's there's a, there's a strong fan favorite community presence there. Yeah, Danny uh, Puddy or... Danny Puddy, yeah. <laughs> so, man, I mean, it's... Looks like they're at least setting it up right in that way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, that's a thing. I'm I'm gonna give it a shot for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll watch a few episodes. We'll talk you about know how it. I feel about my office comedies. Yes, except you haven't watched the Muppets. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and then what else they did? Um, so after all of that scuttlebutt, it looks like Michael Keaton is apparently supposedly maybe back in the running. Yeah, for- but I haven't seen any official confirmation on that one way or the other. Again, it's just more of a oh well, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and and frankly, the more. Once it came and went, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was just so beyond the pale strange for him to play the vulture. It's just so yeah. referential of a reference of another reference and just, I don't know. Yeah, so, I'd be okay with him as a villain, but I don't know about the vulture. Yeah. But so, we'll yeah, see. We, other stuff around, but I think those are the, the main ones that we want to talk about, right? I agree. Yes. Because we, we've got major stuff to get into here. we got to take a big zombie bite into this yeah right right yeah so let's let's go ahead and move on right into our review um as always spoilers ahoy a lot of spoilers so hey you know this is the first time we've watched we've watched the show and then we just start talking about it so in theory this is going to be a vivid fresh exciting conversation except for the fact i still don't remember anybody's name (laughs) see and and I i have concerns because it's like so much happened in the last couple minutes of it that it yeah. almost made me forget a lot of what happened prior to that. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should just bounce around like a, I don't know, like a ping pong ball in a dryer and see how it lands. Because let's see here. We had, we had Marine. Mm-hmm. A short little scene with Marine. We hit almost everything, right? Well, we didn't have King's Landing, but. Yeah, true. We, yeah, we King's had, Landing didn't get touched. Uh, we didn't go to Winterfell this time. We just talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. It was lurking there. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's let's. Uh, what we had was a barn. F- we had a barn to meet Littlefinger <laughs> in. Hey, wait a, a minute. <laughs> but, but before we go into the details, here's what I want to know: Did you like the episode? What was your takeaway? What was your vibe on it? I thought it was very good. Really? 
Yeah. So I wonder if it's the context in which I watched it because uh, my my buddies and I we attempted to watch it at their house with all the kids in another room shoved into a, another bedroom with another movie on for them. Uh, the idea being I was trying to um, get it watched earlier so that you and I could talk about it right. earlier. And I, I mentioned that to them. I, I made the mistake of saying, uh, no, that would never work. And they said, what do you mean? So I said, <laughs> oh, if we could figure out a way to somehow get a show in with the kids all in the other room, then I could. And they got really excited about it. Like, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, we managed to do that. But it instantly becomes sport for the kids because, you know, if you tell them, we should have said, you know, don't go in that bedroom and watch that movie, whatever you do. Right. And they would have stayed in there the whole time. But uh, instead, they were constantly coming out and pestering us about stuff. And so my viewing was intensity, pause, intensity, pause, intensity, pause the whole time. Right. So it took an hour and a half to watch a 45-minute movie or a show. And in the meantime, I was in the cozy embrace of my couch with a donut watching it. So (laughs) it was not a psycho donut, but it was a donut nonetheless. (laughs) So, but anyway, my, t- my, my feeling at the time was, and also my friend maybe set me up this way a little bit because she said right before we started, she said, you know, after all these years of them adapting the books and going at a snail's pace, now that they're free and running ahead of the, of the content, uh, it's like they're pandering to the audience by giving us everything that we want right away. And I'm not sure I want everything that I want. And I was like, what are you talking – and then it started. So then we just immediately okay. started watching it, right? And it actually kind of stuck with me a little bit because it, it's it's hard when you start second-guessing the, the, the plot that they're generating in mm-hmm. these scripts um, as politics, right? Right. But I start to think – basically all of these episodes this season, I feel like, well, in some way or another, there are reactions to the criticism of previous seasons, and reactions, defensive reactions to the expectations that they will crash and burn without his work as a narrative structure to follow. Mm-hmm. So then, because we've had a series of episodes with a lot of stuff happening right. very rapidly. And the pacing is so different than the older episodes that were very long. Scenes were drawn out, not just events drawn out over multiple episodes, right? right. We would have had nine episodes of Arya blind fighting and you know, right. eight, eight, eight episodes of, of, of Reek quivering in a, in a, in a damp armor. And here we've got everything happening in just a matter of minutes. But is that a bad thing? I don't think it is. I think it's just I have some adjustment. And in right. that context, I wasn't in the dark with a beverage watching it all. Like, you know, kids are in bed, ready to go. Right. This was sort of this. There was a tension and a distraction of trying to work, trying to watch it uh, in a rushed way, I guess. And no, I, I get that. I'm not complaining because it was still awesome, awesome experience, but it was different. I may have colored how I saw it a little bit. It was okay. still good. It was just, what? but yeah, we get right into it, and you're like, "What is happening? How right. does this even happen?" So, what do you want? To, what should we start with? Should we do um, Littlefinger and and and? Yeah, sure. That was songs. probably the weakest scene for me in a lot of ways. It was strange. It scene. was really awkward. But I like that awkward. Yeah. Well, and given that that guy has been helping her out because he was obsessed with her mom, mm-hmm. now he's got a, a a kinky questionable thing about her right playing the tender uncle in a really creepy way right you know he's had some late night uh you know 
obsessive thinking sessions, let's put it that way, about Sansa Stark. With his little finger. With his little finger. It's really, it was really neat when she was cornering him and saying, well, just everything about the scene, I like the construct. Of it was it. I liked- excellent. I liked her showing some backbone and really kind of confronting him as to what he did and didn't do. It was very clear that she's like, okay, I'm kind of done with your shit, but at the same time, I also know that you know more than you're letting on with things. Yeah. Right. Well, and the way she led him down that path, it was a bit more of the Sansa that we hope to see that he groomed. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, and also, I just love, he's someone who is, he, he like Varys, has been someone that could keep their cool when other mm-hmm. people were trying to put them in a corner yes. and they managed to, managed to talk their way out of stuff or or find a way that twisted it to their advantage. Um, and he did sort of, he, he planted a seed at the end of the conversation that I think kind of gave him some, you know, some, some, some breathing room. But initially I loved how he was, he was out of his comfort zone. He saw her, he turns like, oh, and then he sees Brienne show up. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. So they have – I noticed a parallel that somebody pointed out online that made me develop a theory in my head that may or may not be accurate. I want to know. Tell me all about it. But in the last episode, Reek – Reek – Reek. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I said Reek. Bolton sends them a letter that's totally that taunting come and see, come and see thing. Uh-huh. The first thing Littlefinger says when he brings that falcon to little Robin is come and see. Oh. And so oh. I'm wondering if he might have written that letter. Wow. To as what? a way to push them towards attacking Winterfell and taking back the north. Wow. That's nuts. Wow, that's a really interesting theory, and I really like it. I think I'm going to go with it. I think it'd be really gonna, interesting. I love start. the idea that he's got his little fingers into quite that much going on up there. Wow, that's interesting. So, uh, Blake, uh, the other one, the other person, that adult, that I was attempting to watch this with right. uh, tonight, he actually paused it to emphatically insist to us that his theory is that Theon Greyjoy is going to be the golem of this whole story. That okay. He's the one that's going to somehow pull it all off. He is going to be the one that's going to provide balance to the <laughs> to Westeros. I, I don't find evidence of it, but it was. No. I'll give him credit. It was the first time I even thought about. This is I, the first you, time he's shown backbone in quite a while. Yeah, yeah, but it would be. I mean, I like him. I like mm-hmm. the actor, and I like the character. I like the character when he's recovering. Yeah. So it's interesting to see, but we're, we're, we're jumping ahead. Anyway, about the Sansa <laughs> thing. Um, I really like that she was putting him on that really, that, that spot. Yeah. What do you imagine they did, what he did to me? No. What did you imagine? Let's talk about it. Let's talk yeah. about it. That was really, really uncomfortable because he was pushing her into it. Um, she was pushing him into a place that I thought was neat because I feel like she knew mm-hmm. that he had feelings for her. Yeah. And she was stabbing him with them. At the same time that she was trying to goad him into revealing that he knew what the kind of sadistic stuff that right. he did. Right. Which is basically what happened. Well, and the, the interesting thing, if the letter thing is true, it would also kind of imply that he has some sort of fingers involved with uh, Rickon being brought to Bolton too, or he wouldn't know that aspect yeah. of it. 
and uh, wouldn't right. put it past him having gone to the Umbers and worked this whole thing out because they talk about which clans are loyal to them, which ones aren't loyal, and which ones have pledged to him, almost hinting that some of those guys might actually still be loyal to the North. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I liked when he was not responsive. He was not adequately uh, fearfully responsive to Sansa's pushing him and then Brian's kind of put the hand on the sword and said, you know, you yeah. asked a question. I like the threat. The threat level in that room was like whoop, like right up there. Yeah. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. And then the the scene where they cut to her talking to the the war council trying to figure things out and that kind of thing. Pretty good. Obviously yeah. the, the highlight of it was the scene just after that where Tormund gives the the goofy grin to Brienne. Oh my god. <laughs> Carrie Ann, who was was um, who's Blake's wife, uh, wasn't somehow wasn't hadn't clued in on that whole thing from the previous oh, nice. episodes, and certainly hadn't seen the memes and stuff on the on the interwebs, <laughs> and so we we had to pause it and talk about it. She's like, "What? <laughs> like, it was just you know that was it's pretty great. I love it. I love everything about it. That guy is just winning every scene he's in because he's like Rrr. really is his charisma is just off the charts. It's just crazy just love to me." It. All I see are the little hearts over his eyes, like in the gifts. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, on the little finger thing, though, it was interesting that he managed to start to just get a little bit of a, of, a, of a hold on a thread of it when he said, you know, he's your half brother. You know, yeah. like planting the seed in her mind that maybe he's not as loyal to her as she thinks he is. Right. And that she can't rely on him uh, to take back the North. And to take advantage of all the loyalty and all that stuff, right. is he really a Stark? Will they accept him? Uh, he's that's what he does. He plants those seeds, right? He's good. So anyway, so gosh, I'm so glad he's back. I love that guy. Me too. Okay, uh, he's so amazing. War Council. Yes, War, War Council. Council. I mean, really, that was just kind of a to sum up. Yeah, See. but I mean, it was interesting. I like that. I mean, we're seeing her looking at military strategy issues. They're talking to a senior advisor. Right. They're ad- admitting or reminding us that they are uh, very undermanned and that there's a lot of yeah. unknowns unknowns about allegiances out there and right. who they, they can and can't rely on. I like that. Uh, I like that Jon Snow kept bring, or at least once brought up. We got, you know, uh, White Walkers to the north. We yeah. got here, and then we've got the Boltons down here, and we can't fight both those battles. We need to we need to solve this. Right. Um, I thought it was really. I mean, that part of it was really neat. Um, that it was interesting that thing about how she lied to jo- to Jon Snow about how she knew about yeah. the what's his how, name uh, the Blackfish. Blackfish. How she found out about the Blackfish being yeah. down in River Run again. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that she did that, but. It does make a lot more sense than explaining how Captain Sneaky Pants was hiding out in the barn kind of thing. Yeah, and that she spent all this time being groomed by him and all that stuff. Yeah, right. it's really hard to explain her. There's so much uh, unspoken stuff between them about mm-hmm. things that have happened over years now. Right. And how far back do you go? He doesn't even understand a, a, a fraction of how much danger she was in. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, the conditions that led to her falling in with someone who was, you know, 
well entrenched in in King's Landing at the time that their their father was beheaded. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was that was an interesting scene. And also, how about the whole thing about how she sewed she sewed herself a a new dress and put the the stark... dire wolf right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Well, this was a political move to me because she put the wolf right the Stark wolf right on her chest mm-hmm. and then she sewed him a cloak that would like their father's cloak yeah. and then put the same sim- symbol on the leather and all that is, you know, so it was, she did it to him, gave it to him very earnestly. Like, you know, look, see, we're really, we're kin and, yeah. and you're, you're, you're the man of the family now, et cetera. But at the same time, she's, she's painting him Stark. Right. Own, right. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how I took it. I, yeah. I, I saw it as a, Move. Yeah, and I I did like his response there too, where he's like, I like I like the wolf, but <laughs> not wanting to comment on the dress aspect of it. That was just yeah. just the right level of like uncomfortable stiff dude stuff. <laughs> so okay, so that was interesting. So then what? What do we have? Was it the uh, the seaborn or the iron iron? What yeah, are they let's called? let's go over to the coast there and the king's moot. The king's moot and. So that clan is called what? The Ironborn? Well, Ironborn's or what no. they call themselves, but it's the Greyjoys. Okay. Well, so that's they're just known as It's the Iron Islands they had... and they call oh, okay. it like paying the iron price and all of that. Right. So it's it's all basically iron based, but I can't remember what they actually call it in the like what the name of their little area is on the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so watching those guys my, watching my friend's Twitch, watch my friend's Twitch during the whole um, coronation scene. Oh <laughs> yeah, I guess the test. Um, I, I came to understand very quickly that this was broadcasted from the books, and this was something that they did in the books mm-hmm. as well. Um, it was very interesting. Yeah, it was the whole cool. sequence of of him standing up, of Theon standing up for her, and then the uncle showing up, and then admitting what he did, mm-hmm. and everybody rallying behind him. It was frustrating. But but I I followed it. I I got what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely show that these guys are friggin' pirates, and they're okay yep. with that kind of thing. In fact, they they eliminated something from that scene from the book that I think would have driven the point home a little more. Because at the king's moot, not only do they stand up and do that kind of thing, but they also pour treasure onto the ground to say, "This is also, by the way, how rich I am. Have some friggin' treasure, guys." kind of thing. Uh, and then whoever gives the most treasure, uh, they're kind of buying the votes and the confidence in the guys and that kind of thing. And to uh, an okay. extent, I think that would have made the scene make a little more sense in the, the quick turnaround from Yara and Theon to Euron. But, you know, it was still a pretty good scene. Sense. But I like the, the coronation scene with the Driftwood crown and the drowning and all of that was really good. As someone who didn't read the books, I was fascinated by this process. I was fascinated by the ritual that they will drown him. And yes. if he just comes back on his own, then he was definitely meant to be king. Yeah. What a, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Trip. And what is dead doesn't die. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah. And it intercut with Theon and Yara just straight up being like, yoink, we're taking all the boats and taking off kind of thing. And I thought that was interesting. Do you think they took all the boats? Well, they said he they took all the best ships, but that was a lot of friggin' ships they showed sailing off into the distance there, and it was interesting. Well, but they, but they, what but were they you? rode out to the ship 
right. they rode out to the ship to board it. So maybe those. That's why I couldn't tell where are those ships all out there anchored or are they. They look they like most of them were moving to me, but I couldn't. I would have to rewatch that scene. But I think it's interesting because regardless of which way it goes, it's pretty clear that they're going to have one hell of a head start if they're headed to Daenerys instead. Because Euron's like, let's start building ships and make a thousand of them. We've got right. time. No worries. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. But would they... Oh, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. They, they, maybe, they, maybe they would do that and go to... Uh, to Marine or, or whatever and yeah. do the same approach that he was going to do. Yeah, I mean, Although technically his... it was her idea to begin with. <laughs> was and it really? He just, yeah, because she was like, we're going to do this. And he's like, we're going to do it, only we're going to make more ships kind of thing. Well, but she just said, we're just going to build the biggest uh, biggest fleet ever and then we're just going to sail around and be badass. And then his and idea he was, was like, to take it to Daenerys. Yeah, you're and, right. And in fact, his thing was, what was about uniquely him was, yes. she doesn't have a husband. So I'll right. marry it. And I will lock us in, and so now our clan will be heading to King's Landing, basically. Right. Which I'd be curious to see what they end up doing with that, because Yara, um, in the books, Daenerys isn't necessarily picky about whether she's with a dude or a chick. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I would be kind of okay with her becoming kind of Daenerys's queen of the ships or whatever. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, so for them to take off during the coronation and steal all the boats... Suggests that they had followers or people that did right. believe in them right. and are turned off by, you know, whatever, Uncle Scurvy. And so <laughs> Uncle Scurvy, what you basically have, I mean, the, the so the new the new king is uh, is seeing it as, well, we got to go. Let's go. Let's go murder them then. Right. You know, it's a really shifty thing. So he obviously thinks it's legit to, to take out his enemies and, right. you know. But at the same uh, but, time, he was like, okay, these guys are turning tail and taking off. We're not going to chase them immediately. He's like, let's start building that army I was talking about. Well, what it made me wonder is if it had just been the two, mm-hmm. his niece and nephew that ran off. Well, that's like on any number of other times in this in this series where right. uh, you know, no, nobility have had to run. And without the construct of their house and their people, they are just people. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. In this case, they left with people mm-hmm. and it made me wonder if this is gonna it, does this mean that we have fractured that clan just kind of what i was trying to remember right. what the name if what the name of this whole group was the gray joys i mean beyond the gray joys if it's the iron whatever yeah because i know they've talked about ironborn but i don't know if that means people who i don't well, know but yeah do, they, they, it does do they split the clan in half is this like stark and car stark forming or something? you know i genuinely wonder if they will even necessarily follow much more with euron at all I genuinely, legitimately wonder if that may be the end of the Iron Island end of it, and we'll just be focusing on Yara and Theon now. Because really, I don't if know. you they think about it, cast, they really guy. did, but man, what's... I mean, he really has no function now. If they took yeah. the best part of the fleet, and they're already taken off to Marine, then he really doesn't have anything yeah, else to do. Purpose? Yeah. Well, he just seems like one of those... Shows shows up later and red weddings you or something, right? You know, which just, is very possible. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna put a pike in your back or something later. I do um, have to point out something interesting that if they are going to Marine, that will be three eunuchs she's got hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Gosh, so much eunuch stuff. 
Um, okay, so so that was that. We were just complaining last time that it seemed like we should really we should really love the um, the Iron Islands mm-hmm. guys because they're they're salty sea dogs and all this, but yet they're the most bland, boring right. clan that we have had to deal with. But and yet. Um, this episode, at least, it was much more interesting. There was some there there. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. And yeah, uh, Theon did step up, and that whole scene where she th- she's thinking he's going to step forward and take and take it because right. they him, and he turns and, and supports her anyway. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It was a great redeeming scene for him. I thought so way. too. I thought it was really good, and it kind of connected the two together as brother and sister, which I thought was really cool. All right. What else? What what happened next? Was it? I guess the, um, Marine is next. Yeah. I think, isn't it? So that scene felt a little uneven to me because she just, you know, I banished you a couple of times and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and then she's like, then she's just crying. Yeah. When he says he, when he shows it's got the scale, the grayscale or whatever, but um, it turned out that, and then it was it felt I, I felt like some it's like is this the writer strike when she's like what if your queen commands you to find the cure right I'm like. Okay, I I know that they were I, I know that they were trying to um, sort of broadcast her her reliance on him and her confidence and all this, but it it just it, I don't know it just rang it rang a little false to me. I it, wonder it like platitudes. if this is a way of sending Mormont to uh, High Garden with Sam and Gilly. And that area, or Old Town, or wherever it is they're headed with the Maesters. Because if you're looking for a cure, that seems like the most logical place to go. That's a really good point. Maybe so. Um, it was still an interesting scene, especially in the context of of her looking down on her new army of yeah, Dothraki and all that. And, you know, it was it was it was fine. I like that she finally admitted or confronted the fact that he's been doing all the stuff for her and, mm-hmm. and, and had he listened to her twice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Although realistically they didn't do much to save her the second time around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just hit a guy with a rock and showed up as she was formulating her own plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then what about her, what about her gang in, um, in town, what's the uh, what's her capital? Uh, so that's Marine, technically. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, Dosh. I don't remember what the Dothraki section is, but the the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so t- so Tyrion and uh, everybody talking about the fact that a an uneasy peace has started to form, right? And him saying, "Well, this is not enough. This is just right now. But right. we need to re- we need to reinvest them in mythos to make them." feel like their their half god leader right influencing things for them it was all very savvy i was that that was, was. the and i like to see and it was a nice callback to that scene where they'd walk past the red priest talking about denarius and and i really liked the lady they cast as the red priestess there i thought she was really good she had super intense eyes and is that what you're calling them now yes yeah, super intense eyes <laughs> <laughs> it was an off above up and below her necklace. There was a very up here, up here, eyes of here dress for a priest. But then again, <laughs> that's well, how all of those those see, Lord of Light the, red... <laughs> yeah, the priestesses yeah. roll that way, man. They're well rounded. They they, oh, I see what you've done. Um, yeah, that thing, that whole scene was interesting. And wow, you don't see that coming where she she uh, pins Varys back like that and yeah. 
pulls up stuff his childhood from the from the night of his castration. Yeah, and him having heard something in the flames and them knowing about it, that was a whole lot of uh, maybe there's there's some there there to the. I thought that was really interesting because that's not something they could know unless the flames really do tell them stories. I like that the show has gone a long way. It's gone a long, long, long time without showing magic and, um, you know, these these incredible happening. There's rhetoric about them, but yet it actually looks like it's really just medieval times kind of thing. Right. And then we got the dragons. We got the dragons and we got the fire immunity and so forth. And we started to see the the war gang and the sight and the, the sighted powers. But man, uh, when... <laughs> When you when you see stuff like the Red Priestess, uh, Mel, like when Melisandre raises the dead, you know, right? You saw that, other instances where they did that, then you're like, well, there's. I mean, how are you going to rationalize that if you're going to claim that the gods don't exist? If it's not gods and it's some other power, you know, right. some other de- demonic power or some other force that they're tapping into, whatever it is, it's powerful. And then to see, and then so you see another example like this, and then she goes right to him, right to his weakest point, oh, and, and says that. Oh, it was really intense. And his his expression while she's telling him was just really good. He she he sold that so well. I really like that actor a lot. But in a scene where he literally doesn't say anything, he's just watching her talk. Was really good. I thought he was excellent in that. That was probably the second time. I feel like that was the second time we've had a performance this season where an an excellent actor. Did all of their acting without dialogue and yeah. sold it. Obviously, yeah. uh, um, Cersei when the ship's coming in. Yes, and, that seems so good. Right, and then and then here because we've seen him anxious before. Like we have to get out of here. We're going to get killed, or right. we got to take these guys seriously, or whatever. But he's always seemed to have his his mastery over information was his power. Mm-hmm. And then for her to not only take that away, but then strike at his weakest point and, 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 you know, bring this up for him. Yeah. Watching his face come apart with that. You've just never seen him that vulnerable. Right. Right. It right? was really powerful. So, yeah, that was so, good. That was an excellent and, little scene. I it, thought, and it was neat that he was getting edgy with her and Tyrion just keeps trying to back him down. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked that where you could see him just losing his shit. He was done with her crap. And then she's like, bam, I, this is real. This is legit. And you're giving me crap about something. Yeah. Yeah. I so, thought that was really interesting. So now what about, uh, gosh, there were so many scenes that were jumping around. What's next? Which one should we talk about next? I think really all that's left are the flashbacks and under the tree stuff, oh, yeah. right? I think that's it. It's I mean, the, it's the right, right, right. Those yeah. were kind of peppered we it, throughout the, the episode, episode, but so he's Brand's not. Um, he's not demonstrating that he's learning, right? From the from the from the resources made available to him because had he listened to. Max von Sydow, who used to be the man in the tree, who is now just Max von Sydow, um, <laughs> you know, this wouldn't have happened. Right. Well, and it's it, he's still that kid that's told not to climb around on the, the rocks and the walls and climbs around on the rocks and the walls. He's just, I think he's been that kid, which I like that he's still kind of that same personality. He's just older and handsomer now. Yeah. <laughs> 
yes. It's um that whole that that first dream sequence where he where he goes in alone and he sees the horde and he walks through them and they don't see him. Yeah. And then and then the the king sees him and then the horde all see him. That whole yeah. thing was so chilling, so to it speak. Really, <laughs> it really was. It really was. Yeah. I, I loved it. And I loved that they got to, they did a lot with a little in that scene. They used a lot of silhouette mm-hmm. and and stuff so they didn't have to sh- spend all the money on all of the the zombie work. Right. But I love some of the stuff that they showed uh, in silhouette, like the guy with the half of his head is gone. Right, and right. Well, and I liked when he first appeared on that scene, too. You didn't realize that they were people at first. They almost seemed like they were trees behind him. They did. And then it zoomed in a little better, and you're like, oh, fuck, that's an army standing behind him. Yeah, someone someone said someone actually said Blake said those aren't trees, you know. Like it was <laughs> right. really clearly work, you know. And and I appreciated the fact that there's enough deep, there's enough I don't know rendering rendering power or whatever that you have a crowd like that at some distance, and they actually went in and made it so that some were stumbling around on sticks and yeah. some of them were happy. Like I saw in the crowd as the camera is panning closer to them, you could see that there's that they're whites right. by how irregular they were. So that was cool. Yeah, was, I like that a lot. Didn't give, didn't have that CGI thing of just all the same. Yeah, model. just a different colored shirt on them, kind of thing. Yeah. And then they so had the scene with the children. Okay, so that was that was technically first, I think, before he was grabbed by the Night King or whatever. So that was Ned's father talking to Ned again. Yes, that was Ned's father talking to Ned. And Don't fight, but if you fight, win. Yeah, which was just a little scene, but it was kind of a fun yeah. little shot there. And it was another opportunity to see Hodor, mm-hmm. Hodor pre-Hodor. Right, Willis. Of, yeah, Willis. Yeah. And then and then the thing that I – where it really started to get interesting for me was when Max von Sydow said, you know, okay, now you've done it. They're coming for you. He's like, well, they can't find us here in the place that I even can't figure out where they are. Right. Um, and then he's like, well, yeah, they can because look at your arm and it's blue and crazy and they can, and whatever. They can try right. with it or whatever. Yeah, he broke um, the, the guard fast, spell. Um, I loved how quickly the, 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 uh, the threat of the walkers escalated from there. And I was trying to understand – are they so? Help me place where this this tree cave is. Is it? I can't remember now. Are they north of the wall? They are north of the wall. Um, in the books, I know that there's like twelve castles, and they get to the other side of the wall using one of the castle, one of the Night's Watch castles, are um, that like has a like a well that they climb down into and then it crosses over under the wall and back up over it and then oh, wow. like this guy called cold hands shows up and takes them to the tree so in the books they're significantly north of the wall in this okay. they i don't get quite as much of that impression but they're definitely north up past that section okay all right it escalated very rapidly Yes, and it became a really chilling. God, there I say it again, but it became (laughs) really suspenseful. Yeah, Uh, someone that I was with said it was it's it's World War Thrones, you know, because it had some of the imagery of this of the swarming, but it did it in a way that I liked. I love that they were coming at all all surfaces were covered by them climbing. Yeah, so they were swarming all the way around the tunnel, 
And oh, we, we actually skipped a scene actually oh. before we dive into this. Okay, we forgot to talk about the creation of the Night King. Oh, yeah, That's with the right. children and the stones and the first. So, someone who looked like the one they were hanging out with, right? Generated generated the first White Walker. Yeah, by shoving dra- what looks like dragon glass into the dude through somehow through the sternum. Yeah. And all the way in and created the White Walker Night King guy. And I thought so, it was really interesting that they did that to protect themselves from the humans. So do you think that the human that they used as the catalyst in that scene is the is the same White uh, whatever Dark King? I think so. Because I thought that maybe they were different ones, different kings. Was there only one, and that is that guy? I don't know. I think it was him, just based off of like his eyes and what he looked like. But I, I don't know. It's hard to tell because they didn't really show him actually fully morph into that character. Well, because didn't um, because what about all the stuff about the 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 uh, Castle Black stuff about how so and so went out and. Was wasn't there a whole thing about how supposedly that that's that's how or maybe I'm just remembering that these were fan theories about how the White Walker was created that it was the guy that went off and I think that w- might be what wild. it is yeah I think yeah. you may okay. be like like the, combining things together yeah okay that's not canon all right okay fine okay so yeah so we saw that there's some the we we were talking about this last episode that the that the is this is that when he's using his sight with the tree guy. Is that that's not warging? That's just him, right? It's a, dream, a dreamscape, right? right? So there was a lot of indications in the previous episode, leading into this early part of this episode, that he could interact in that state because obviously he interacted with the king in that in that mode right. and tipped him, tipped him off as to where he was, and suddenly they're there. Um, we had previously been speculating: Is he going to learn how to et- how to influence things across time space? Right. Using those powers. So far, it's happening to him rather than him affecting, you know, other events. Yeah. But, uh, it it goes it goes upside down and sideways in a hurry in the the end of this episode. As <laughs> yeah, far as what what's supposed to be, like I get the physical realm stuff of them pulling him down and mm-hmm. getting him in the thing, and her so desperate to get him to work into. Hodor to carry him right his body but as far as the what was happening in the dreamscape very confusing deliberately so right mm-hmm. so what do you think was happening there about about basically it's the Hodor origin story right right yeah it's it's definitely god it was a super effective scene in my opinion Oh, like, yeah. like before we sat down to watch this episode, we were like, what do you think the door is? And my wife immediately was like, I think it's the red door that Daenerys used to have dreams about when she was a kid. Ooh, good one. Which she's been a little obsessed with that since that whole scene. She thinks that's really powerful. Yes. And which it is. And I assumed that it was either going to be... Uh, the big black doors that Arya dealt with, which mm-hmm. we kind of glossed over that scene too, actually. Oh, right. right, right, right. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back around after the emotional part. Yes. And uh, there was another door I came up with, but it certainly wasn't the door that it was. <laughs> they have a moon door as well. Oh, moon door. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, the- yeah so... 
It was yeah. interesting to see. Oh, man, that I thought that was really well done. I I was surprised to see that Bran could stay in the other time frame and warg and control Hodor at the same time. Well, that's what I'm saying because now they've they it, it it's like that nonlinear time Hopi tribe theory stuff was happening. Right, because, uh, and that's what I was wondering if this is if there's analogs in the book. Or whether this is just me being confused because I'm supposed to be confused, but I was, I was like, well, how is this happening? He's, he is, my, he is in a mindscape of the past, mm-hmm. but then while he's in the mindscape, his his astral form or whatever wargs into physical world current era Hodor, right? Who in turn, as he's suffering, mm-hmm. is influencing his past body. Which seems to be, ca- you know, causing him to have this this fit or whatever that leads to him. It seems like it's creating Hodor. So isn't that a whole time paradox thing happening? Absolutely, and I think that the fact that it is such a time paradox is what just did that to Hodor, kind of thing. Because you see him physically see Bran. Yep. And that's when it clicks. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so I think that that's exactly what it is, is he just, where he was in Hodor, plus standing there staring at Hodor in the past and controlling his body in the future, it just created this snap. And that's what caused it, I think. I just, God, that was such an interesting way to explain his name. It really was, and it was so powerful. You felt so bad for him. Yeah, and and well, you felt bad for him in t- in two uh, two scenarios at one time. <laughs> right. You, you felt bad for the t- for the kid version having that uh, crippling seizure that he'll never recover from. Yeah, and how he just trails off, and he's still saying it even as he's coming out of his seizure, and then also uh, watching current Hodor sacrifice himself. Everything about that escape was pretty amazing. Right. Yeah, it from, really from was. From the walkers passing through, I love the scene where they pass through the fire break, right? Yeah. And, and, and then all of their whites can't do it, so then they go around, they swarm up the side. Right, which I thought that was really was interesting. Cool. Yeah. So... And we lost Summer. The, Summer was one of the... The dire children. wolf. Oh, right, oh, the dire wolf. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, it was that neat sucked. that she... It was a neat and deliberate thing, mm-hmm. but it was sad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we all the children, doing, definitely. Yeah, we, we had just been doing a tally in the, at the house about how many of the direwolves were left. <laughs> and and Blake was like, and also, Pran has one too. Right. <laughs> Not anymore. Now it's yeah. just Nymeria and Ghost, which is uh, pretty crazy. Who's Nymeria? Uh, Arya's. Ah, okay. Who's the one that's rumored to be in the hill in the right, books? Right, right. Hills looking for for Lannister guardsmen, which is amazing. If yes. if they actually pull it off in here too, but <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so that was really intense. That whole escape down the tunnel was crazy. It was sad. All of the remaining. Uh, do we think that these are the only uh, first children, or just the ones that were in this? You know, I get the impression that that might have been all of them. Because it yeah. was pretty clear in the, the flashback that it was kind of their their last-ditch effort to prevent the humans from killing the children of the forest. That's why yeah. they created the White Walkers in the first place. And I think that just totally fucking backfired on them, basically. Yeah, I think so, too. 
It was really fascinating. Um, I'm not sure why uh, that last first first children uh, character, mm-hmm. why she didn't just throw the fireball. Yeah, <laughs> that was a little on the goofy self-sacrifice thing. But maybe she maybe she was trying to maybe it was intense maybe it was intense intensified because as she did it she continued to charge it kind of thing yeah because as they were stabbing her she was turning blue yeah I could see so that maybe yeah so maybe she was just building a bigger bomb out of herself yeah that was nuts it was super it was super scary and the whole thing with the door and him holding him getting oh, it open God. and then him co- holding it closed yeah. Yeah, that was, was just so good. It was so intense. <laughs> and he's slowly being clawed apart by the hands around him. And he's just yeah. holding it closed. It was amazing. But it also had that 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 sense of futility because I kept thinking to myself, they're gonna they're gonna eat all those little edges off until they can open the door. Right. And then and then they're only out there just trudging away in the snow with this girl pulling this cart or this uh you know, this uh this thing in this, you know, this trail and everything, they're not going to get very far. Yeah. So how is, how is the sacrifice going to work? But, um, I don't know. It was super intense. It really, really was. I like, I just, it blew my mind that that was like where his name or his speech came from and the way it combined together. And the, it just makes it so much more heartbreaking to know that he's, had that like ingrained into his brain that where it broke when he was a child kind of yeah. thing and that it was essentially him uh reliving his death in a way well and the thing that's really creepy about it is you see him up against the door and holding on and sacrificing and yet he's not because Bran warged into him right so Bran just used him as a human shield and killed him yeah like the I was thinking, like, as seems happening, it's like I'm in, I'm supposed to invest in in Hodor's sacrifice, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's actually being used. He really is, and they actually mentioned that in um, the books when Bran first goes into Hodor and controls him to fight the skeletons or something like that. They talk right. about how he could sense Hodor's consciousness, like hiding in the corner, like a cowed dog kind of thing. Uh. Interesting, and so the, well, it it does add a little bit of bitterness to it, and it's really curious too because Bran was. I got the impression that Bran may still have at least been partially still in Hodor. Yeah, well, we also don't know if Hodor actually died yet, right? Which is very true. Yeah, and I kind but, of but yeah. like last scene of that. I kind of wish they had cut to adult Hodor saying, "Hold the door one last time." Mm. I think that would have been a little yeah. more powerful than just ending on the kid Hodor. At the same time, um, you know, before before she got Dream State ran to warg into Hodor, he was sitting in the corner twitching and, and having a fit and not acting because he was scared. Right. So he, he was dead anyway. He was going to be dead anyway. Which is very true. Yeah, I mean, at least then they had a chance for all of them to survive, including Hodor. It wasn't like they had him charge in and attack the, the whites. They had him pick him up and friggin' run. It just, it wasn't the, it wasn't the conviction moment that, that they were broadcasting that you get from it, but it really isn't real because he's being controlled I kept expecting Brown's eyes to 
clear. Yeah. And Hodor to still be holding the door. Yeah. Like that's his moment. And we didn't get that, but um, still pretty intense. Yes, absolutely. And then we and then we undermine it like as if someone did a bad editing job with the show, and then we go and talk about Arya. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot yes, about that one. Not, and that was an interesting cut back to Arya there, where she's starting to learn how to fight a little more. Eye of the Tiger action going on there. Oh, sure. And then they're like, "You need to go kill this actress at this mummer show." Really random, really random, right? Yeah. Which, and then it was was it all a construct just to show that the that the people are doing parody shows about what's been happening with the nobility and that it's cruel? Well, I, my thought is that for one thing, I think it makes it a lot harder for her to be impartial yes. about killing the character because the faceless men have totally made this personal for her now. Yes. Because yes. she's straight up using that character and the the construct of her history. But if this is the scenes that I'm thinking it is from the books, I'm pretty sure this is where Arya is going to learn the other aspect of the Faceless Men, how to act like other characters and be uh. other people. I'm guessing, this is my totally just my assumption, but I'm going to guess that the lady doesn't actually die and that the poison is just to see if she'll actually go through with the act and then Arya will become part of the Mummer show for at least a period of time. Oh, interesting. And interesting. learn how to have other faces and act differently and be different characters. The show was entertaining. It was fun. It was, it was funny. Good. <laughs> it was good how they looked reasonably like the people that they were lampooning and how this was Shakespearean. This was like that whole, you know, it, it, it has it has callbacks to, to very to very real uh you know aspects of our history, right? Yeah, lamp, lamp, lampooning the nobility through through the theater, but at the same time, I, it was really great. Like you said, that the faceless men made it personal for her. Yeah, and it wasn't just because her her father was and, and family were involved in the story of that <laughs> right of that piece, but also because they made him a chump and yes. Sansa, you know, Boots you know ravaged and, and yeah, right. But dude, like talk about being faced with the reputation for the tits and dragons reputation that we talked about before, like all the <laughs> unnecessary things that they do in the show because it's HBO and they can. And it's like, they faced it. They faced the criticism and they looked it in the eye and said, eh. and when, and they doubled down. <laughs> right. Episode, They're like, here's tits. Here's a penis. Bam. Right on the screen. <laughs> it was like, tits, penis, tits again. Right. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> It was kind of interesting. It'll be kind of intriguing to see if they just are showing that as to what those mummers are and just quite how decadent they are or yeah. what's going on there. But I thought that was a surprising scene, certainly. So, Chris, uh, are you ready to grant a red, a red tentacle moment on this episode? Was there anything that... Uh, dude, I've got to say the the second it clicked in my head that what the title of the show meant. Ah. That was definitely it for me that like, just I immediately was like, Oh my God, this is intense and brilliant and really interesting. Where does that door go? So this is a tunnel from, this is just a back door. Uh, Yeah, basically it's a back door, but I get the impression that maybe it 
leads to somewhere where they can actually have a hope of escaping because otherwise they're still screwed. I mean, the well, Hodor is wondering to wouldn't, be... wouldn't people be swarming around them anyway? Uh, yeah, you <laughs> would it's think just the back door. Would... Yeah, at some point they're going to get through that door and they're going to catch up with her. She's a little girl well, towing a full-grown man on a sled. <laughs> well, but also going around it, they they climbed up this this. Well, they did, but that that was an awfully long tunnel. There was a lot yeah. of skeleton crawling and all of that. That's and I, I wish they'd shown, like, maybe the tunnel had partially collapsed or something when that child of the yeah. forest sacrificed herself. It yeah. would have made a little more sense that there was just a pack of whites that got through, yeah. but the rest of them aren't just waiting to push their way. But yeah. that part was a little unclear for me. Yeah, that's interesting. You're right. Um, so my red tentacle moment was a fourth wall snippet of dialogue that I loved. It's when Brienne was saying how I'm not comfortable with leaving you. And Sansa's like, no, no, I'm with my brother and these people and everything else. And she's like, well, you know, I, I your brother seems like a good man and he seems trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And then she says, and I don't trust any of the other people. But then she says, he uh, he broods a lot. <laughs> But I guess that's because I guess that could be expected given what he's been through. But wasn't that like straight up referencing the fact that everybody makes it such a big deal about how Jon Snow is he's the pretty brooder? Yes. And season after season, that's all he's been doing. Well, and it's so funny because I read an interview with the director of the last episode that talked about how they didn't like set out to make the Tormund and Brienne thing a, a thing necessarily. It was just a little aside in there. And yet this episode totally feels like they were answering three separate criticisms slash fan theories about the show. (laughs) They're like, here's Tormund and Brienne, here's Miss Broody McBrood pants, and here's tits and dragons and wangs. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) All all in all, a a very... it's another another episode this season that feels like it was the summary of an entire season. Yeah, in one episode, right? Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, it was. It was, this was an excellent episode. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next one, obviously. But this one, I I would not mind watching again and ruminating on a bit. You do need to ruminate upon it. Yes, and, you know one thing that I did really like was watching. The thing afterwards and finding out that this was actually George R. R. Martin's actual origin of Hodor's name. Oh, I didn't watch that because I was scrambling to get kids. Yeah, yeah, they do confirm that, like, he pulled them aside in a hotel room forever ago and told them that this is where his name comes from and this is how it happens. That does a lot to legitimize the storyline because you can't have the origin of Hodor coming from him and not have a lot of the other constructs in this right in this in this plot sequence yeah and that i was really happy to watch that and have them mention that specifically because yeah like you said it really does legitimize that entire portion there it looked like what what i saw of the neck on the next episode teaser was a lot of uh uh you know king's landing Mm -hmm. king's guards up against the uh the sparrows and so yeah. i'm really excited about that we've, yeah we've been that. waiting a long time for that yeah, absolutely i'm pretty excited about seeing that which, so cool we got go ahead sorry as, uh, which is next week and we'll definitely try that's and right. find a way of recording it <laughs> well and that's that's what i was going to say was that we successfully did our it's not a dreaded reaction video but no. we did our 
we did our same day commentary on the Game of Thrones episode that we just watched, which was cool. I think we should try this again yeah, because this was uh, fun. definitely all the, all the vague, nameless, nameless people with uh, mysterious connections to all the, all the other people in my mind in the in the in the tepid soup of my <laughs> long term memory. Uh, it's just that much more uh, vivid when we do it right after the show. So yeah. that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up and let you get back to your hopeless pa- packing task, I was yes. wondering if you have any – do you have anything that you are reading or watching or invested in or is it just your trip? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's just my trip. Like I have spent like over $1,000 on flask and prints that I then spent hours and hours packing and organizing and inventorying and cutting and that's all I've done, man. <laughs> yeah, I get it. All right. So fair enough. Well, that's what you got. A, I mean, you've got this big. You got the con coming up, plus this this uh, little mini vacation. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a little. Devin's never been out to the coast before. He's my co-host on Deeply Dapper Dispatches, and that's a fine podcast. It is a fine podcast, and he's a big Twin Peaks fan. And we're going to be out there right in the area of Twin Peaks. And we're also going to make a little side trip over to Cannon Beach and Astoria so we can do a little bit of a Goonies thing uh, and yes. Twin Peaks and then go to the con. And then I get back here like Monday, Tuesday-ish and then have to leave Wednesday for Salt Lake Gaming Con. Uh, so yes. we're, we're, we're tied on time. I haven't really had time to look forward to anything except maybe getting more than four hours of sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Tell how, me how that works out. Right. Not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, sir? Well, I was just going to say that um, I finally – my friends uh, get so frustrated with me that I have a long queue of things to, to watch. And you know they, they come and go from the public consciousness before I even get to, to watch them, right? Right. <laughs> Um, and that's even worse now because uh, since my wife has been away on for work, mm-hmm. I'm saving a lot of things that we were either watching together or I think we should be watching together. Right. So, you know, a lot of stuff is on hold, but I finally had the occasion to to try a show that I've been meaning to that I had it in the queue for a few years now. I don't think we've talked about this yet, right? Peaky Blinders. Did we talk about this? Uh, you've mentioned it, but not like on the podcast. It was just more that you wanted to see if uh, it hadn't yet. All right. Well, I'm, I'm four or five episodes in, and this is a show set. It's on Netflix, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's a show set in the years just after the First World War, and you're in a seaside town that I think is very near Dublin, but not Dublin, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. But it's just chock-a-block with all kinds of stuff we haven't seen in movies and TV before. It's it's filmed like like cinema. So you mm-hmm. feel like between these beautiful set pieces oh, – beautiful is not the word um, – vivid set pieces and costuming and really great performances and really sharp writing. Okay. And it's filmed in such a way that you feel like you're watching something that was on real film, you know. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new – it's a whole other thing than what you're used to seeing from <laughs> from episodic television. And at the same time on the plot, it's it's really neat. They're showing uh, characters have PTSD mm. from having been shell. You know, it, this was the first time in history where they were documenting shell shock as a thing. Right. But you're seeing the, the elements of that. And you're seeing also the friction between the the sort of the clan and family structure of life mm-hmm. in – urban Ireland 
falling like kind of coming into conflict with the with the 20th century construct hmm. of the city that the crown was infor- imposing on them so they you know they came back from the war and the the, the you know it's a family it's a, a family of of uh sort of a racketeers and, oh, okay. and 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 smugglers and thieves and 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 you know fixing horse races and stuff and so they've got a whole system in town and then they're providing for people while they do it like it's a it's a construct it's a family gang right that's got its hands in a lot of different things uh, a lot of fingers and a lot of pies to say right <laughs> and then in the in the pilot so Killian Murphy plays the main he's the younger brother of the two brothers that are the the leaders of the of the Peaky Blinders okay. and the, the two Shelbys that survived there was three total that survived the war and and he and his brother his brother's the oldest one and everyone thinks who are not familiar with the gang think that he's the leader because ah. he's the, he's got the mustache and everything but <laughs> Killian Murphy's oh, it's great. You'd love he has it. He's a mustache. You... He must be the leader. Oh, totally. He's got and he's got a and he's got the full on just big mustache. He's great. Nice. But Killian Murphy is the one who's the brains. He's the one who's actually making aggressive plans to escalate their holdings and and make something okay of of their situation. He's it's an antihero at best, a villain at worst. I don't know yet hmm. whether I. I sympathize with him and the family because that's the way the show is written, but he's, he's pretty cold. And also I've never seen Killian Murphy in a role like that's badass like this. Mm -hmm. He's always played either very effeminate characters or characters who are unhinged or something that's playing up his, his big, heavy, long, long eyelids and his big (laughs) blue eyes and his puffy little lips. And he's just very, he has such a strange, you know, very distinct look. Right and here, he, here he is running a running a really brutal post war gang in in some of the worst urban living conditions, and he's pulling it off. It, he does a really really good job, and so his character in the pilot co- comes to find that they had they had gone to he had sent some of the boys out to steal a crate from a local factory, okay, and he came back. They opened the crate up, and it was filled with weapons, and it was actually a shipment of weapons that was going somewhere from somewhere else that wasn't supposed to be there, mm-hmm. and they they weren't supposed to steal it. Now they had it, and so he was not letting them dump it. He was holding on to this for leverage because he knew that this right. was going to be something important for them. But what it's done is it's raised the attention of of England mm-hmm. and Winston Churchill comes down and and installs a cop to clean up the town find <laughs> out what the guns are because they're you know they are now engaging the IRA right Belfast and they're having these and there's a lot of the Catholic versus Protestant uh, Irish conflicts and you know this is a, a time of great upheaval absolutely and this is the beginning of it right right so him stealing guns by accident his guys stealing the guns by accident and then him choosing to hold on to it and play it close to the vest puts him right in the crosshairs of much bigger things than what he realizes, right? Right. So the cop that they bring in to clean up the town, he brings his own guys in. It's very untouchables, you know. It's Sam Neill. Oh, interesting. But it's the first time I've ever liked this actor. I've never really <laughs> liked him that much. But here he's got the really strong brogue, and he's just really, ah, he's really severe. And and he and he comes off seemingly uh, straight-laced at first, and then you realize he's he's corrupt too. It's just a different type of corruption. Anyway. I'm only five episodes in, and it's actually got three seasons, I think, two mm-hmm. or three. So mm-hmm. I got a lot to watch. I'm watching one a night, right really on. taking my time with it. 
it is though, but I have to tell you, Chris, it's beautiful. These, these shots of these long rows of warehouses and it's all in blues and grays and sort of dusk. And then there's piles of, of coal stacked up against in between each of the warehouse doors, you know, just piles and piles and piles of coal. And then out of the, out of the doorways, you know, these large industrial doorways are these just blasts of fire and, and showers of sparks and stuff. Cause it's just, there's all this raw manufacturing that's happening. Right. And, and we have said at a time where a lot of cities like this in Europe were just being – and elsewhere too mm. – were being destroyed by rampant industrialization, right? The, the natural world was just being smashed to bits. Right. Lives were – you know, people were getting sick and, you know, it wasn't good living conditions and nothing about it was good. But this was progress, right? This right. Is the, this is the, the back end of the, the – the, you know, sort of the rise of the industrialized era. And – you get to see in this show those those symbols of the old and the new world together, like him walking down that street on a white horse. Mm-hmm. Well, all this coal has been burned and things are on fire and people are running around in the mud and all this stuff. And he's riding a horse through it right? instead of a car. So like there's, you know, this is a really fun time as far as history goes for me, because it's the, it's the bleeding edge of a major shift in how technology changes culture. Yes. Anyway, it's been it's been really interesting, and I can't wait to watch more of it. Right on. And you will too. When you I see will, it. like twenty thirty three. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, sir. <laughs> right, right after you watch Winter Soldier. Oh wait, yes. you did. I finally saw that. <laughs> In fact, I'm halfway through uh, that dinosaur movie too. <laughs> Jurassic World. That show. Jurassic World. Yes. We'll have to talk about that one as well. All right. Well, so maybe we should wrap this up so you can go get an hour of sleep and then pack. That sounds like an excellent plan, sir. How can they get a hold of us? Uh, well, for me, you can find me on various social media as either TRDL or Third Rail Design Lab. I change it on each of them to make it confusing. Um, you can also email me at uh, Tom, T-H-O-M, at thirdraildesignlab.com. Excellent. And you? If you'd like to reach me, you can go to deeplydapper.com or you can email me at deeplydapper at gmail.com or deeplydapper is also my username on all of my social media accounts. Very smart. I like that you did that. Yes, it's convenient. Uh, I'm very happy that nobody else took that name on one of them or something. Well, that's what happened to me. That's why mine are inconsistent (laughs) as I ran into problems. (laughs) And go back. I suppose you could also uh, go to my appearances page and track me down at one of the cons and come by and say hi. I think that's a great idea. Yes. Um, other than that, so, you, as always, you can go to robot-kraken.com and catch up with all the sweet, sweet nerd news that Tom collates and collects and posts <laughs> and <laughs> that I read because I'm not good enough at actually being organized and contributing to that <laughs> it's a great resource but just imagine if i put some of those uh those man hours into the merchandise for the store or the sort of centralizing the e-commerce solution period or working on any of the art projects that we're talking about but no this news needs to be reported yes it's important and if so we don't collate it step. no one will <laughs> That's right. No one. That's right. No one will. You're your dedicated source for this. Yes. All right, man. Cool. Right on. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Right. Uh, 
hold the Kraken back in the thing. Yeah, hold the door. let's hold the door for the Kraken. Crack it back in the back in the the c- container of Kraken. Yeah.